Hello and welcome to the Injury Prevention Podcast from BMJ Journals. Injury Prevention is an international peer-reviewed journal. I'm Brian Johnston, the Editor-in-Chief. As you know, our podcasts typically focus on a paper recently published in our print edition. These Editor's Choice papers are freely available online. If you go to injuryprevention.bmj.com, you can download a copy for yourself. You can also leave comments online and link to our searchable archive and to our blog. Today, we're going to look at the paper, Country-Level Economic Disparity and Child Mortality Related to Housing and Injuries, a Study in 26 European Countries. This paper appears in our October 2013 issue. To talk about the paper, I'm joined by the first author, Dr. Mathilde Sengolga from the Department of Public Health Sciences Division of Global Health at the Karolinska Institute in Stockholm, Sweden. Welcome, Mathilde. Thank you for this opportunity. Sure, and thank you for joining us today. So um, your paper uses an ecologic design to look at country-level associations between income, income inequality, and child mortality across Europe. Tell us, what was the motivation for this research? Yes, well, we know that poor housing has been identified as a key dimension of social exclusion. So we wanted to investigate how this housing and, and also around the housing in the neighborhood at country level contributes to economic differences and child mortality, and specifically injury mortality was our focus. And the, the reason is we wanted to contribute to the discussion on how income quality impacts at country level, and again, not just housing, but also the neighborhood. So uh, in your study, you not only measured income and income distribution, you also modeled the effect of certain variables that you took from the European Union Income, Social Inclusion, and Living Conditions Database. What can you tell us about that data set? Well, it was since 2005. It collects data from about 25 countries in, in Europe. It has a total sample size of approximately 203,000 household, households, and it's um, based on country representative samples. There are strengths and, and limitations. The strength is that it's broadly across Europe, um, yet each country decides on its own whether it's going to collect the data by survey, a register, or a combination of both. And this has been accounted for as, as a potential reason for differences between the countries. We know that Nordic countries tend to use registers, while other countries tend to use rather surveys. Um, but these are issues that are well known by your set, and they're evaluated every year um, because they they want to stress the comparability between the countries. This is one issue. Another issue specific to us is that the the variables that we used they're um, self-reporting, and that's also an additional concern whether there are differences or cultural differences between countries on how they um, self-report that data. But again. It's a standardized um, way of, of accessing this data, and it's across Europe. And this, for us, means it was a key source for, for measures of income, housing, and information on social ex- exclusion all in one. So uh, you touched on this earlier, I think, but the exposure then that you were trying to measure using the social inclusion and living conditions variables was what? What, what is the exposure that, that you brought into your model with these variables? Well, what we wanted to do is we we're trying to do we have kind of a mixing pot of we have the exposure inside the home for children and their families. We also have the exposure to the neighborhood, and there are different variables that we use to to try to access that exposure. Um, 
what we did is we looked for, for measurements that varied across the countries. We made sure also to avoid the, the correlations between the different variables, between the different aspects of the living conditions. And this is what we tried to, to put into our model and to separate out what was, what was more um, a housing condition and what was more for neighborhood conditions. And we used that through the factor analysis. So um, talk to me a little bit about that. You, you developed variables that uh, you believe model housing strain and another that models neighborhood conditions through factor analysis. Mm -hmm. what, yes. what variables, uh, for example, ended up in each of those factors? Yes, well, for housing, for housing conditions, we got what we expected, the leaking roof and the rotting. Um, we also got things, though, that were for that for the housing that was that we didn't quite expect to be to load such so strongly, and that's the ability to make ends meet, and the capacity to face unexpected financial expenses. Those also um, loaded onto the housing conditions, and for the neighborhood we got what we expected. The ones that loaded most were the crime, the pollution, and the noise factor. So, um, well, let's talk about the results. You, you started by looking at country-level child mortality and its relation to income and income inequality. Mm -hmm. uh, what, did, what did you find there, and, and did those re relationships also hold for injury-related mortality in, in particular? Yes, well, what we were interested in were two measures. For One was income inequality, and that's measuring the differences within a country from the very rich to the very poor. And the GDP, the gross domestic product, we use that for a comparison between countries. And we wanted to know if that choice of which, depending on which measure you use, if that made a difference on the, on the mortality and the living conditions. And what we found was a significant association between what we call the housing strain, meaning the worse the conditions in the housing, the higher were the child mortality outcomes for all mortality. And the strongest association was the all-cause child mortality. There was an increase, tenfold increase, as the living, as the housing conditions worsened them. There was a tenfold increase in the all-cause child mortality. The weakest association, even though it was still significant, was road traffic injury mortality. And what we found that we, the measures that we used for, that we found that we have in the EU silk which is the crime, the pollution, the noise, those were not able to capture road traffic injuries. Mm -hmm. And we didn't find the significant association with the neighborhood strain, meaning those neighborhood conditions. And that's, that's what was surprising. Why is it that when we look at what we know, that crime makes a difference for injury, obviously for the intentional injuries. We also know that the... That, um, uh, noise is also a factor in terms of injuries. Why didn't that come out in terms of an association between the neighborhood strain and the, and the um, injuries? Mm -hmm. So one reason we have for the crime is if you know you're in a high crime area, it could be that the children aren't going, aren't let out, that, the ch that they're, um, they're not allowed to be into that, in that exposed environment because the parents already know there's, there's um, high crime. That was one of the things that we were just guessing could be a reason why we didn't find that association. Mm -hmm. And um, when you modeled uh, the associations between, for example, income and injury, did you do that in a linear manner? I ask because you, you could imagine, or I might imagine, that um, the effect of increasing income on child injury might become less pronounced at higher incomes. 
So that you, mm-hmm. you would see a plateau or some threshold in the relationship rather than a linear relationship that, that ran continuously from the lowest to the highest income. Mm-hmm. Well, we have we did a, a linear regression to look at that, and what we found there was that in terms of the incomes that we use, we come, we use income grouping. So we didn't we weren't able to see the. the the very high incomes compared to the very low because we group them into categories. Um, but we were, we were also interested, um, is there a difference income inequality versus GDP? And we didn't, we didn't see a difference in that. So um, one of the challenges with any ecological design is that findings at the group level can't really be extrapolated to individuals in the group. So how do you think your results can be used to promote injury prevention at a policy or at a community level? What do you think we ought to do with your findings? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the first point I have to that is it's exactly what we wanted to know. We didn't want to know what was at the individual level because we already know that. There are many, many um, studies that show material deprivation and injuries in, for individuals at the community level. So we know that relationship. This is why we are interested in what is going on at country level. And that's why we use that ecological design. And in terms of what we think should be done at the policy level, it's the hope that um, if these, if we have government support to address structural deficiencies and to in the housing and to invest in the housing improvements, we, we know the classic ones in injury field, the installing the working smoke alarms and the four-side isolation pool fencing and, and the preset hot water heaters. We know that we have prevention measures that work, but we're having trouble in making the policymakers um, invest in that. And what we're trying to show here is that it is worthwhile at country level to invest in this. Um, you know, something, something that the UK does is that they have a, a housing scoring system, and they determine what's the oldest housing and how they target their resources to rehab those houses first. Um, that would be something of interest at the EU level. Another one, you know, just one that would interest me, um, can't we put in, can we put in tax breaks for what we call quote-unquote safer homes, for example, for people who do, are willing to invest? Um, it's something where we know people should do it on their own and that they want safe housing, but um, it would be interesting if it was um, nationally across Europe as well, um, if they were showing some policymaking to do with resource distribution, and that's within the countries and between countries, that the resources would also um, invest in housing improvements. So you looked at at 26 countries in your analysis. Were there any countries that stood out to you, maybe lower-income countries that found a way to buffer the anticipated effect of income on child injury? There are lessons that could Mm -hmm. be learned or extrapolated? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the first countries that stand out, which, um, which always tend to when, when looking at, um, at Europe, are the Nordic countries. And that's because of their low income inequality and their strong commitment to, to systematically addressing these social determinants. Um, they, always, they always have that combination, and it, you can see that in their, in their very low child mortality rates um, for injury as well. So they, they always do stand out. They sit out in this analysis as well because they're able to combine um, a very good resource distribution in terms of income along with them, with addressing, addressing um, safe housing and safe environments. Um, a country that also stood out was Romania. It has high income inequality, um, low, low 
low GDP compared to, to other Western European countries and has extremely high child mortality rates. Um, what we did when we found this is we redid the analysis without including Romania to see if it was it really an outlier and did it make a difference. We didn't find um, a difference in the results. We left Romania in, but we definitely need further research to determine what are the mechanisms that are contributing to these high rates in Romania. Um, you know, we don't. There, there are other countries in that same grouping um, in terms of income inequality that don't show those same high rates. So uh, that's one idea for additional research. Are there other questions that for you remain unresolved that you'd like to pursue in future studies? Mm -hmm. Well, one is that, um, that uh, a limitation that we have in this EU SOC data is that we don't, have, um, we don't have measures of material deprivation that are depicting specific children conditions of life, uh, the, the children conditions. Um, this is all obviously um, from parents and from adults over the age of 18. And um, Eurostat has not yet found a, a comparable measure that we could use across the EU that, that captures children's um, conditions, but that would be something that, that still needs to be found and analyzed. Um, and we know either, either there are two ways to go. Either families um, take better care of the children because they want to, um, to take care of the children, or, or the resources are distributed less to the children, and, and it's the parents who have, um, who have a better access to the resources. That's something that we um, we would still like to see how that how that plays out. And another one that would help us with with motivating policymakers to invest is is having a better um, cause and effect relationship. What happens is the inadequate housing conditions are often linked with other forms of deprivation. So it's hard for us to to show just the just the cause and effect of of poor housing. So that's something that would also be valuable if we could manage to be able to do that. So what are the injury issues that you're working on now? What's, what, what do we expect to see from you next? Yeah, well, we're currently investigating the relationship between the housing conditions and whether GDP or income inequality in the older population. So we want to see if the use of data can be useful for prevention in this population. We, we've chosen this population, of course, because we know the, that the, we're all aging and, um, and it's a bigger segment of the population, so it's worth um, looking into. And um, there, in the newer um, EU SOC data, since the end of 2008, um, they've looked at trying to get a possible indicator of housing deprivation. And these, they now are gathering informa information on self-conceived sh shortage of space, on the adequacy of main facilities, uh, the electricity, water, um, overall satisfaction with the dwelling, or accessibility to basic services in the local area. And most importantly, they're also looking since um, the end of 2008 at housing costs, and that would be something that um, we would like to um, investigate. Well, terrific. Thank you, Mathilde. That was Mathilde Sangogo discussing her paper in the October 2013 issue of Injury Prevention. It's titled Country-Level Economic Disparity and Child Mortality Related to Housing and Injuries, a study in 26 European countries. The paper is this month's editor's choice, and as always, it's available without access restriction at the journal's website. And that concludes our edition of the podcast. Please join us in December for highlights of the next issue. In the meantime, have a look at our blog for news, opinion, comment, and discussion. <laughs>